Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We will implement the National Climate Plan in the provinces of Ontario, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and New Brunswick. And in those four provinces, we will send a climate action incentive directly to Canadians to help them adjust to an economy in which pollution is no longer free. Only one party will axe the tax, common sense conservatives. So that'll be the choice. Do you want to axe the tax with the common sense conservatives, or do you want to more than quadruple the tax with the woke Trudeau NDP coalition? With apologies to Jagmeet Singh, I'm just focusing here on the liberals and the conservatives, because most of the fighting that's taking place in Parliament, the one to pay attention to is the exchanges between Pierre Polyev and uh, Justin Trudeau. But we're at a time where I hear more and more, there's never a day that goes by that I don't receive emails or texts or calls from people I know who say, time for an election, I can't take this anymore. There's a, there's a deep sense, at least among the people I know, deep sense of frustration with this country and where we are. A lot of it has to do with inflation. A lot of it has to do with interest rates. A lot of it has to do with fear. A lot of it has to do with the uh, pandemic we've come through, uncertainties. But there's a deep frustration with the political process as well. So we're going to talk about this now. And keep in mind that an election could be called at any time this year and has to be called by the fall of next year. Abacus polling shows if a federal election were held today, Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives would secure a significant majority government. At least that's how I'm seeing it. But how firm is that polling intention? How firm is it? Sometimes we talk about support being 10 miles wide and an inch deep. It's a lot better if it's 100 yards wide and 10 miles deep. Eddie Shepard is the vice president of Insights at Abacus Data, and Mr. Shepard joins us. Eddie, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Are we, or would we today, if an election were being held today, two questions here, really. Would we be looking at a, at a majority conservative government by tomorrow, a government in waiting, and would we see a larger percentage of eligible Canadians going out to vote? Right now, as you alluded to, based on our current polling, we would see one of the largest majority governments uh, in a long period of time if the election was to be held today. Uh, and it would be a significant uh, conservative government. So as of right now, the, the Polyev um, conservative party is, is so far ahead that uh, all signs point to a significant majority in, in the next election if it were to be held today. Um, in terms of, of who is likely to vote right now, you know, people turn out to vote when they want change. And as you said, right now, Canadians are frustrated. Uh, they're they're feeling very threatened and they want change. And, and the voice of desired change is always the loudest we see. So when you say one of the largest governments, how large? Uh, it would be significant. It would be, um, I believe, about two-thirds uh, of the House would be conservative, roughly, give or take. So not quite 1993, but, uh, but better, better than Mr. Trudeau got in 2015. Absolutely. I believe this is the fourth largest uh, majority government we would see if this were to be the case today. So is this Conservative Party enthusiasm or liberal fatigue? 
that's the interesting part is that it, it's the latter. We what we're really seeing is that people are just becoming so frustrated and I guess tired of of the Trudeau government that they just simply want change. We still see about thirty percent of people want change, but don't think that there's a good alternative. So it's not polyev mania. It, it's not this really conservative enthusiasm side. It's just a notion that they're they're tired of what they're currently receiving and haven't received for a while now, and they just need a new voice in their minds. And and that right now. The, the best alternative is Polyev currently. So where does Mr. Singh and the NDP fit into the picture? They're actually not too far behind uh, in the sense of where the, the liberals are. So if the vote were to be held today, 43% of the committed vote would go to the conservatives, 24% to the liberals and 18% to uh, the NDP party. So, you know, it, as I said, it would be a majority conservative government, but it would push Trudeau to the opposition bench. So he would still be um, kind of on the opposition side, but uh, the NDP party isn't too far behind, but right now with, with how far ahead Polyev is, it's, it's really hard to see them gaining any ground. So the Liberals recently hired a new communications director and their messaging has changed since that time. Can they make up for the distance they're behind the Conservatives now or is it too late regardless of what they do? I think right now we, we've definitely seen in the past few weeks that the Liberals are, are upping their, their attacks, I guess, on, on the Polyev. Uh, government or probably of conservative party. So uh, they are trying to make those efforts and, and tying them to various, uh, various things to, to bring down the, the enthusiasm towards him. But at the same time, we're not seeing any impact on the favorability vote towards Polyev. So I think it's the point now where Canadians are just frustrated and, and whatever Trudeau is saying isn't cutting through anything else. So he can, he's trying these, these different tactics and it's just not reaching the ears of Canadians right now. And if I understand correctly, your polling shows that women are breaking toward or have broken toward the Conservative Party, which is not the norm. Yeah, one year ago, uh, give or take, when Polyev took the leadership of the Conservative Party, you know, it was a dominantly male-oriented uh, kind of favorability towards Polyev. And there was a 20-point gap between males uh, and, and females at the time. Now we're seeing that gap close substantially. And you know, it's still a gap between males and females, but we're seeing a significant shift of, of women voting for or willing to vote for the Conservative Party. Um, and it's not something we've really seen in, in recent years, and it's a significant shift that is impacting the degree to which the committed vote is shifting. I also find it interesting, and it seems to have been going on for some time now, that the younger demographic, the 18 to 34 demo, conservative. Yeah, I, I, in my opinion, this is one of the most interesting things so far, because when Trudeau took over in, in 2015, it was largely on the backs of the under-34 options. Um, and now, for the first time in, in recent memory, this is the, the largest pro-conservative age group in Canada. So it's actually a, a correlation where the younger the individual is, the more likely they're to vote for the Conservative Party. And now the older groups, the over 60, they're still willing to vote Conservative, but more kind of on the, on the liberal side. So right now, you know, the group that got Trudeau into power, arguably, is now the most pro-conservative group. And it's likely because they've been the hardest hit when it comes to inflation and housing and affordability. They're the ones that are having the hardest time kind of getting back on their feet. And they don't, they don't see a future for themselves, right? Absolutely. Not in this government. They don't see a future, yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody sent me an email earlier after I mentioned you were going to be talking to us, and it was an interesting question. What, what's going to happen as far as the big city vote versus smaller um, Population centers is concerned. And the person who sent me the uh, the note mentioned specifically, and you can see this coming, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal versus the smaller cities or the smaller population centers. Is it big city, small city, right across the board, rural? 
as of right now, we're we're really seeing that the the committed vote to Polyev it, it runs far and deep. Um, so they're for the most part, whether it's provincial or regional, the Conservatives are are far ahead of the Liberals in every province except for Quebec. In that case, which the Bloc are, are tops there. Um, but right now, we're seeing across the nation that that Polyev is ahead of Trudeau in the polling across every province region, age group, gender, everything. They are there above everyone else. Right that, now. That's stunning, isn't it? I mean, for this country, that is stunning. Well, in a year ago, they it was fairly even between the two parties. Yeah. And you've really, you saw the shift happen kind of in the middle of summer. And, and then since then, it's just been an upward trajectory for Polyev. And Trudeau has, has really flattened out at this point now. And, and it's been, as of right now, it's the largest gap we've seen since 2015 for uh, the committed vote between the Conservatives and, and uh, the Liberals. So it, it's been a drastic shift. If you were to look back a year ago from now, I don't think the conversation would have been predicted to be going this way. Uh, and now we're at the point where, where the Polyev government is really in the driver's seat and is leading the conversation right now. Yeah, when I say stunning, right, uh, to me, it's just it's very hard to get Canadians to agree on anything. But today is Sunday. It would be hard to get 70% of Canadians to, to, to agree that today is Sunday. But here there is this broad agreement that you're telling us about across this country where never mind the the demo, the gender, the region, the mood is Trudeau out, Polyev in. Yeah, and I think when you when you intro it the, the notion that Canadians are frustrated, they have this scarcity mindset where uh, they can't find affordable housing, they can't find housing in general, right. availability, healthcare is hard to come across. There's this mindset for Canadians that that what is currently happening isn't working for the majority of them, and they need change because they want to see change within the country. So how much of a player in the federal election will Quebec be? They're, they sometimes are the, the, the power brokers, and they, of course, have the, the Bloc Québécois. And I moved to Quebec in 2007, lived there till 2016. It's kind of weird uh, for, for me uh, at first, Eddie, when a Bloc Québécois member of parliament or candidate came knocking on my door because I, you know, I had to get myself back into Quebec thinking. But uh, how, how much of an influence does the Bloc have in Quebec? Does Quebec have the, uh, the, uh, the clout either later this year or next year to be a power broker in the election, at least partially? Yeah, I think right now we're seeing the conservative vote in Quebec is is large enough. They should at least maintain the number of seats they currently have. Um, and then, you know, when we look across the country in terms of B.C., Ontario and Atlantic Canada, the gap is so wide that it will you know make up for any seats lost in Quebec. So I, I think as of right now, the conservatives are doing well enough that they should be able to maintain some degree of control within that province. But you're right in that the bloc is really in the driver's seat there right now in terms of the committed vote. And. And there is some challenges with Polyev within the province um, in, in the minds of Quebec voters. So I think, depending how the year plays out, I think there is potential. But as of right now, it looks as though they're, they're comfortable enough in that province uh, to be okay, but they can't lose momentum there, that's for sure. Okay. Eddie, thank you very much. Eddie Shepard, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, let's talk about uh, when I say election, you say what? Art is in Alberta in the oil patch. All right, I say election, you say what? Um, yeah, I'd really like to see an election. Uh, yeah, I, I, the current government, they've completely lost their minds. But, you know, from a strategy point of view, I mean, Jagmeet Singh's never had so much power. I mean, he doesn't have power, but the NDP policies are being being enacted because what most people don't realize is that 
I think people like Dan McTague get it. The old school liberals that we were willing to vote for didn't have a lot to too different from the centrist conservatives. The, the Liberal Party has slid so far to the left now. All you got to do is read the bio of people like Jonathan Wilkinson, who used to be the head of the young liberal, the young NDPers of Saskatchewan before he moved to North Vancouver. I think they've suddenly they've taken over the ground that was owned by the NDP, and the NDP don't know whether to what what to do about it other than just go along for the ride. So, Art, I pre- Art, thank you for the call. Obviously, you do your homework when you think about politics or you look at politics. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Jim in Surrey. British Columbia. Jim, what about it? What, what, when I say election, what do you say? I say good afternoon, Roy, and it does my heart good to hear you're healthy and on the radio. That's number one. Well, thank you so much. And uh, don't be fooled by Jagmeet Singh winning his party seat out here in B.C. I think you'll be shocked. He will not win his own seat. He won't. I think his community has had enough of him. Also, I've never seen a government that has fought harder against its own citizens in this country than this one has. Or insulted, said, or insulted citizens as enthusiastically as the liberals. Yes, and has had more disrespect for the honor of the office of the Prime Minister of Canada. Never seen anything like it. Um, who will I vote for? I will vote for the only party that I'm willing to put my trust into to hopefully bail us out of the last nine years. That's who I'll vote for. All right, Jim and Surrey, British Columbia. Roy is in Toronto. Another Roy. What a great name, eh? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's, sim- um, it's simple. Nobody can mess with it. I'm a long-time big-city Tory, uh, which is sometimes a very lonely uh, place to be. But uh, I think that we're going to do it this time. Um, I've known Pierre for many years. Um, and I, I think this is the most divisive government in our history. I have never seen anything like it. They basically won the last election by using vaccine mandates and the vaccine to divide us. And I think a lot of people are not going to forgive this party ever. You know, um, it's I going to come as no surprise, Roy, to you or anybody else, that I'm not a great enthusiast for Justin Trudeau. So a couple of weeks ago when he said, or maybe 10 days ago when he said, uh, this pisses me off, it had to do with the, the firings by Bell. And I looked at the TV and I said, and you piss me off. It was just, just came out of my mouth, you know, and it's just <laughs> because they had such a, an opportunity and they never really grabbed the opportunity. Within six days of becoming prime minister, Trudeau was giving an interview to uh, the New York Times and saying, this is the first post-national country in the world. And I thought, oh boy, this is not going to turn out well. Well, and the, and the other thing is the corruption. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's staggering. This, this company that was getting all these contracts and doing nothing started getting their contracts eight days after Mr. Trudeau came to power. Um, this is a corrupt, tired government, um, and I think they're going madly off in all directions. You can see it. They are. The, Mr. Gil, Mr. Gilbo is saying things like they're not going to build roads anymore. I mean, like, mm-hmm. what, what's wrong with these people? They're, they're completely out of step with reality. They have no connection. to. They're just desperately flailing 
looking for any support in this country. And you just heard Mr. Shepard from uh, Abacus tell us they're going down. And it's going to be a very significant conservative majority government. Thank you, Roy, in Toronto. It is a good name. This is my dad's friend in the uh, military. My, 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 <laughs> my grandfather wanted me to have uh, his name as my first name. And my dad said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. He's going to have to fight every day if, if, if that's his first name. Well, it turned out I had to fight almost every day anyway, but it would have been a lot worse. <laughs> I'll tell you one day what it is. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 